Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. So I want to start off where we, where we were last week. So if you weren't here last week, you'd be like, what is, maybe what is going on? That's okay. It's really simple. We, we did like a theme sort of memory verse for the kids. And I want to just, I just want to refresh our memory. So those of you that were here, maybe, you know, help lead us. But I think we have it on the screen here. We were in 1 Peter 5, 7, and we, we read the reference. So uh, for those of you that have, have done it, just I want everyone to read it with me. But you, you guys who have been down this road before, you know where we're headed here. So you guys ready? I'm going to count down and then just we'll start with the reference, read that, and then the verse with me. Okay? Three, two, one. First Peter 5, 7. Yeah. Well done. Give yourselves a hand. And that was, uh, yeah. This half of the room is feeling proud of themselves. You guys, I don't know. Uh, so, uh, I, you know, uh, um, admission, right? This is a beautifully encouraging promise from God, and we reflected on it last week. We had some fun. We made some masks. Sort of the immediate context is this idea that you don't have to put on airs. You don't have to sort of kind of live up to some standard. You, you cast all those cares to God, and you rest in his grace. And so we sort of said we take off our mask, and we put on God's grace. Well, uh, just admittedly, we didn't sort of consider all of the context last week, and, and we're going to consider a bit of it. Uh, in maybe more explicitly uh, this week. And, and the, the immediate context was read for us uh, today by t- from uh, Tyler as we began in, in verse 5 um, of our, our reading this morning. And it begins, you know, with, with, a, with a, a familiar sort of call in Scripture, right? This is not new information, but sort of the second half of verse 5 begins with this call to clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. Right, clothe yourselves, uh, all of you, uh, with humility, he says, toward one another. And then he sort of gives us the reason, uh, the ground for that call. Because, he says, God resists the proud, and, uh, but is full of grace uh, towards the humble. But, but that invitation, right, right off the bat, clothe yourselves with, with humility, um, uh, all of you. Well, the all of you is important because uh, in the immediate context, he's been speaking about sort of organizational structure. It's too, too strong a word. This was a new community. But the way in which the leaders of that community related to everyone else and the way in which everyone else related to each other and to the leaders and his language to them. So the language in the New Testament is elders, but the language to them is, uh, is to, to all of you, regardless of sort of your role in that community, to clothe yourselves with humility in the way you relate to one another. This has been a theme over and over again in Peter. If you've been here for any of the previous chats about it, uh, it, it, this is not new material. He's not sort of sneaking this one in at the end, right? He has said from the beginning, we're going to follow the example of a Messiah who refused to retaliate in kind uh, when he was mistreated, instead responded in humility. And and by following his example, that means a, a characteristic trait of a Christian community will be humility. As I sat with this passage in Peter this morning, I don't know how often that is true. <laughs> uh, particularly with uh, the question Peter addresses, how we engage culture. Could it be said that humility is a common characteristic of the Christian faith in the way in which we engage with and respond to the world around us? But, but it is a theme that Peter has said over and over again. He's gotten really uh, concrete with it, specific. He said when you relate to civil authority, uh, he's talked to servants and masters, husbands and wives. Uh, he's kind of these specific 
uh, context where humility is a, a characteristic that because of Jesus, it's how we relate to one another. He's been a little broad, just kind of tossed it out as a sort of general instruction that as a community, uh, we are marked by sort of humble generosity and love and hospitality towards one another. He, he's used it in uh, a call towards humility when he's tried to encourage them. So when you're asked about uh, the hope that you have, when, when, when you're engaging with people who don't share your conviction, and, and you're asked about it, in, in the nature of your response, he has said, there has, there's a bit of humility. You show respect and consideration for the people that are uh, sort of asking you questions about your life. There is uh, a mark of humility, but here's, here's what I want to suggest to you this morning. So again, this is not new uh, in Peter. It's been a theme over and over again, but here we read it, clothe yourselves in, in humility. I, one of my, I have twin daughters who are nine. One of them uh, is really picky about her clothes. I don't know if any of you guys can, uh, you guys are like, Pastor Matt, you should be more picky about yours, I think. But uh, uh, she's just really particular. And I don't think, at least not yet, I don't think it's fashion driven. I'm, I'm dreading that, you know, I'm like, that's probably coming in my life, right? And, uh, but currently, so much of it, I think, is just sort of sensory. She doesn't like how it feels on, you know, this, I'm just like, this pair of pants is exactly like the other 15 in your drawer, but it's like, it just doesn't feel right, you know? And I uh, can't, can't wear those, right? It just doesn't feel right. Or this shirt, right? Just something about, uh, so much of it is like, it's tactile and, and sensory. She's a sensitive kid. And uh, I, I, I think, I think sometimes for us, humility is kind of like that, right? Or maybe another sort of resonance. Maybe you have that article of, your clo- uh, article of clothing in your closet. You're like, I really want this to work. Like, I like this. I think all the cool kids are wearing this kind of thing. I, I know I'm older than I look, and maybe, maybe I can pull off this look. I don't know. Like, I want it to work, and I put it on. But, man, for all kinds of reasons, I'm not willing to admit publicly, it just doesn't feel right sometimes. Like, just, I, I try, and, like, I just, I can't do it. And it comes right back off, right back uh, in the closet. I think humility, I think humility works like that. Like, we, 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 are, we want it to work, right? You, you've been around church at all. You're like, yes, of course, right? Christ was humble, humble yourselves, have the mind of Christ, all these things. We want humility to work, but we put it on, and it's, uh, you're just like, maybe it works for a moment, right? But no one really wants to be in the circumstances that require humility, I think it's what uh, some sort of uh, people, ref- you know, scholars reflecting on, on this passage. I don't know if this is always true, but when they talk about humility, that, that it's not the kind of thing we just choose, right? Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it this week. I'm going to be super humble, right? Uh, I'm going to put it on, and it's going to fit well this week. Just wait. This is, just wait. Next week, I'm going to come back and have a story of how beautiful my humility was this week. Right? It doesn't work that way. Right? The, the observation is that humility is something, it's, it's, it kind of happens to you in the sense that it's, it's a response to circumstances that have humiliated you. Right? I don't know if that's always true, but, but that in, in some respects, often humility is, is, is a response to circumstances that have, uh, that have sort of robbed you of all of maybe the status markers that you have previously relied on. And when those things are removed, when the masks are off, when we're done putting on airs, as the other passage here says, when those things that we have relied on to sort of show our merit and worth have been kind of stripped from us and we are in some sense in a a circumstance that has forced humility upon us, our response in that moment is, is a mark of humility. The imagery here in Peter to clothe yourself is, 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 is kind of like tie on an apron, right, to kind of assume this like posture of 
of humility and, and service. And uh, I, I, think, I think it's interesting to hear the, the verse you read with me uh, just a moment ago, to, to take all of your cares and worries and give them to God. He cares for you. That in the passage, that beautiful promise is actually a subordinate clause. We diagram the sentence here and we just geek out on some grammar. Uh, that it's actually uh, a subordinate clause to the, the, the sort of initial command to pursue, to put on humility. So that there is, as Peter writes, this link that our experience of kind of a carefree life under the care and provision of God, uh, uh, that that experience is, an ex- is, ex- is itself an expression of, of humility. So it would read kind of like this, right? So clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Why? Because God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. And then in verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Verse 7, here you go. You see it, casting all your anxieties on him. Right? That, 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 that an expression of humility in yours and, and my life is a, an actual expression of that is is a casting of our cares, all the ways in which we attempt to control and uh, control the narrative of our lives, all those kinds of things, to cast all of that on the care of, of God, uh, who, as we'll see later in the passage, is gracious in his response to us. It, it's, the, it's the move of Peter here. So this first call to be humble uh, in our passage, it, what he's, again, to keep it in its context, is he's writing to people who are experiencing conflict and tension in their world because of their confession of faith in Jesus. And will be disruptive. Not always, right? He, he has said throughout his letter, there will be some who respond positively, who are intrigued, but at other times it will place you at odds with values and, and all kinds of things. And, and, uh, and Peter is, is writing to encourage them that in the midst of that, uh, when, when maybe previous sort of status markers of their lives have been removed and they now find themselves in places of tension, maybe places of... Uh, 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 marginalization, if you will, physically dis, uh, dispersed even, have driven sort of from their places of home, that when, he, when, he finds, when, when they find themselves in those situations, of all the ways that uh, they, they could respond, he, he, he calls them towards a kind of humility that comes precisely from handing all of that over to God, allowing him to defend uh, their status, finding now uh, who they are in and through and from him, regardless of what uh, the cultural context or the people around them uh, may say. Right? Humility. Be humble, he says. Put, put on uh, humility. I, again, I think it's, it's an article of clothing sometimes that we want to like and we want, to, we want it to fit. But if we're honest, if we're honest, it's oftentimes a little un- uncomfortable. So that's the first command here in our passage. Just be humble, right? So just have fun with that, right? <laughs> uh, go, go get them. Go, go team. Go uh, be humble. This is the first sort of uh, clear command here. But there's another one that comes uh, in verse 8. All right, so, so I just this, this, this connection between uh, our experience of a kind of carefree life before God, knowing that he cares for us, is rooted in humility. Well, then he, Peter turns and, and, and gives us another command in verse 8. Be sober-minded and be watchful. Sort of maybe two sides of the same coin. This kind of uh, alert, sort of present wakefulness. 
um, uh, which I think is interesting, again, so he goes on to sort of describe why that might be necessary, and, and we see his, uh, his explanation here, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So resist him, firm in your faith, he says, knowing that brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing something similar. Uh, so this, this call, so first it's, uh, it's put on humility, but then it's like, stay awake, be alert. So it, when you think about Peter encouraging people, how do you relate to the world around you, right? The first call is humility, trusting that God is at work, that he holds all these things. And the second is a wakeful sort of alertness, a, a sober mindedness. Uh, I, here's, here's again what I think. If humility is hard to put on, I, I also think sometimes uh, we read a verse like this, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. And uh, it makes me think, I was chatting with uh, some of you, and the, my girls just ran, did a little 5K, not a little, they did a 5K. I did not want to diminish the significance of that distance, right? Uh, my nine-year-olds ran a 5K. It was really fun. They're in this girls' running club. It's just been really fun for them. And, but uh, it took place sort of in the neighborhood of the zoo. And uh, we're just kind of thinking and chatting uh, with one of you, actually, about, like, you know, did the lions, like, could, if you heard the lions roar, would it motivate you to run faster, right? Well, that's an interesting thought. Uh, probably, right? And, and I think sort of metaphorically, as Peter tells us, the enemy, your enemy, the devil, sort of prowls around like a roaring lion. Uh, we, maybe we think in those terms. Our, our, our sort of the Christian tendency, one tendency is to run away afraid. We just are full of fear. And I don't think you have to dig too deep in social media threads and feeds. I don't think you have to look too far in the sort of cultural conversation around questions of, questions of faith. To, to see clearly that fear is, a, is a, um, a motivator that is very present and works, right? It just, it, 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 it's, it's there, it's, it's pull, it's, it's, I think that is one response. Uh, that is not what Peter says our response ought to be here. Uh, not just fear, I think another sort of uh, pull is, one, another pull is to kind of roar back, Right? <laughs> You know, if whatever the sort of tension we might feel with culture, uh, on the one hand, we're like, man, it, we, we feel it roaring at us, the enemy, the devil roaring at us. And one tendency, again, I think more than present in all sorts of spheres of life, uh, real, digital, and otherwise, is to just match that roar, sort of roar for roar. I don't know how many times I can sort of, yeah, uh, that's beautiful. You probably want to write that down, right? Uh, and again, that is not... That's not what Peter says, right? Peter's answer to the fact that uh, as these Christians uh, live out a brand new community of following Jesus, uh, small, uh, on the verge of like viability, right? Will it stay? Will it not? Um, uh, in some sense, fragile, right? In, in, in its newness, uh, facing sort of potential conflict from within and conflict from without. He's addressing all these things and, and, and writing to them in the midst of all that noise, the roar of the devil sort of seeking to snuff out this flicker of grace and life that Jesus has worked in them as a community. He doesn't say be afraid and he doesn't say roar back. <laughs> and again, uh, two responses that I think mark so much of sort of the Christian voice in the world so often at least lately. What he says, it, it almost feels like anticlimactic. He says in verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Right? That, that we live sort of humbly resting in God's care, 
not needing to defend our own status, right? At rest in the God who cares for us. In humility, it changes the way I treat the people in my life, in this community, uh, and the people around me. Uh, In humility, resting under the care of the mighty hand of God. And then alert and awake, sober, sober-minded as I take in the world. Which says to me, this is not frantic. It's not a sort of panicking frantic response to whatever you may perceive or see in the world. Nor is it a fearful, like running away, nor is it a sort of angry, like roaring back. It is a, it is a firm, almost you, you feel it in the passage, calm, assured stance in the grace and goodness of God that he is at work. It's where Peter lands, right? So we, we start in humility, experiencing God's care. We're reminded, yes, there's lots of noise in the world, but the call to us is to be aware of that, right? Not to check out and just sort of hands up, all right, right? Like, uh, no, we, we live sort of uh, tuned in to what's going on in the world, sober-minded and awake, but in a way that we are calm, feet planted, uh, faith firmly rooted in God's grace, which is where he lands in verse 10. The God of all grace, that God who has called you, called you uh, into his eternal glory in Christ, that Jesus Christ is working something in you, that God, he himself will restore and confirm, strengthen and establish. And I think for Peter, it's this sort of, it's, it's like you can take a breath. You can, you can breathe deeply of the grace of God at work in the world and know that it is not yours to hold up, not even yours to defend, maybe at times explain its presence in your life, but simply yours to rest in and stand in, calm and confident and humble uh, in the truth that God and his mighty hand are at work in the world. I, I think it's a really... A, I don't know, appealing picture and one that I don't know is often pushed forward as we think about, uh, at least in our context, the voice of the church, of the Christian community. And some of you are like, man, okay, Matt, that's great. What's that got to do with me, right? Uh, uh, where, where do I find myself in this story? Well, on the one hand, I think we, we hear the commands and, and we, we lean into God's grace to, for humility, asking him to work it in my life and, and a firmness that is alert that God help me to live calmly, uh, but not sort of out of touch with the world that you have created to know God, that you're at work in my community and me, but in the world and, and to stand firmly in that, not to let the roar of whatever that noise is in your life to sort of snuff that out. But maybe you're hearing like, Oh man, I don't know, <laughs> right? I don't know. You, have you been scrolling through the same things I've been scrolling through, Matt? Uh, right? I, I don't know. You, you, I had this conversation with a coworker, and you just—I uh, don't know. Well, I, I just want to encourage you with one sort of final observation, and uh, this observation is the fact that the person who gives us this instruction via the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is none other than Peter. Right? Okay, so the one who tells us to be humble, to stand firm to stay awake, right? Uh, the guy giving us all of that instruction, again, via the, the nudging of the Holy Spirit, is Peter, right? You guys remember Peter? Yeah? You guys remember Peter? Remember his story? Yeah? You guys remember. 
We don't have to rehearse it. You remember Peter? Peter was the guy that when Jesus actually did this sort of visual thing of tying the white apron, right, like in the upper room, he's like, I'm going to visualize this call to serve others in humility. I'm going to tie it around. Peter's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 not me, right? Like I kind of, I don't know how to make sense of this picture. And he saw Jesus visualizing. He's like, this can't be how it works, right? Uh, this is Peter. Remember Peter? Uh, we could look at other moments in his life. Do you guys know Peter? Do we, I feel like we just did this. Uh, right, Peter. This is Peter who, uh, I mean, Jesus is explaining to him that he's going to suffer, right? Which Peter, it's, it clearly affected him because it shapes all of his letter. Uh, but in the moment, in the Gospels, that tell us the story, uh, Jesus telling him, I'm going to suffer, be crucified and die. Peter's like, no way. It can't possibly work that way. And Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan, right? And so Jesus, uh, Peter, who, who writes here to resist the roar of the devil, in this moment in his conversation with Jesus, that roar seems to be sort of operating very loudly in his own heart and, and life. This can't possibly be how it works. And Jesus re- re- rebukes him there. Or what about, uh, right, what about um, Peter, Peter, who says to Jesus, Man, everyone else in this circle, Jesus, might deny you, but there is no way I will. That Peter, that Peter writes this letter and says, stand firm in the faith, right? Uh, that, that, right, that Peter, again, that Peter, uh, the, the Peter who is praying with Jesus in the garden and whom Jesus says, just be watchful. Please just be watchful with me. Stay alert. Be awake. The Peter, that you guys know, what does he do there, right? What all of us want to do today, right? On a day when we play with time, right? He wants to sleep. He falls asleep. That Peter, sleeping in a garden, that Peter writes this letter uh, to those Christians and to these Christians and to those who may be here asking questions. He writes this instruction to live humbly, to stand firm despite the roar of the devil, to rest in his grace because Peter has tasted it. Right? He, has, he has seen it. It has, changed, it has changed his life. He has come to know through Jesus the God of all grace. And that's the invitation to you, to me this morning. Right? That if, if God's grace uh, can be on display in Peter's life in this way, it can work it can work in your life and mine as well. Will you guys stand up uh, with me? I'm going to close in prayer, and we're going to finish with a song uh, that we hope, again, will help you fix your eyes on Jesus and God's grace to us in him. Will you pray with me? God, we love you, and uh, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for your word. Um, this morning as it invites us into uh, trusting you uh, in your grace, God, that is at work in the world, your grace that restores and confirms and strengthens and establishes, that, that frees us from the weight of trying and needing and feeling as though it is our responsibility to do all of those things, but instead invites us into trusting you. And so, God, I I pray for all of us here this morning. Uh, God, all all of us here, you know where we are in our walk with you. Um, 
Jesus, you know where we need the uh, clothing of humility to fit a little bit better. Jesus, you know where we are prone to maybe a frantic or fearful response to the world around us. And what we need is the calm assurance that lets us stand firm uh, in your grace and work. God, you know where we are in all of those places. Would you meet us there? And like Peter, uh, Jesus, like Peter, may, what, may we find there your gracious, gracious gaze that looks upon us and, and restores us, calls us again to service, cooks us breakfast and invites us into, Jesus, a life again of following you. I pray for all of us here this morning. God, would you help us to find rest in your gracious work in our lives and in our world? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you sing with me? Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at Park City KC.